today's Bible reading is from Revelation 1 on page 1,236 of the Church Bibles. Starting from verse 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the provinces of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn king from the dead, and the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. <coughs> to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his glory and father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even, though who even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was in the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. When he placed his hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Joel, and it's good to be back with you all. Um, I've got no idea whether you've been here or not. So, uh, but I can tell which people have sort of, it's their first day back, maybe been away for a while. So uh, I had to ask for their passports and immigration papers coming back from overseas. It's good to see you all. So now, as we get uh, going, uh, who's ever um, heard a series on the whole book of Revelation before? Excellent. We've got a few. 
Uh, who's read the whole book of Revelation? Oh, good. All right, excellent. Um, well done. Um, well, that's one of the big goals of this is to, uh, to do that as we get into this book over the next uh, 10 weeks. Uh, just to um, set things going, uh, my name is John as well, as the writer who wrote Revelation, just not to get confused here, okay? So uh, we're not on... Yeah, just to see if we've got that straight. But uh, let's get into it. Colin has prayed already. So look, open your Bibles up to chapter 1. And I also want to just say the, um, uh, these studies, the reason everyone's got one is it's for personal use. Um, and uh, they're set up in a way that's going to really help you to uh, understand uh, a lot of those connections into the Old Testament. Um, that's really everything John's got to say. Uh, it's actually it's there in the Bible so um, hopefully they are helpful to you with a little bit of an introduction as well Uh, but we've called this series the lamb wins Uh, all acknowledgement to the graphic goes to Mr Speed so thanks so much but the lamb wins they were three words that were on a beat-up signboard uh, of a small Methodist church in this city first photo Mandy now who's ever been to this city before you've got to know what it is first don't you who knows which city it is? My wife knows. Prague. Excellent. Excellent. So that's Prague. So um, the, the year was 1989. Who was not born? In, who was not born yet? 1989. Stick your hand up. Not born. Okay. There you go. Um, evidently, uh, Madonna's like a prayer. It sort of, that was the top song of the year. But anyway, November 27th, uh, what was big for Prague and Czechoslovakia that year, and particularly November 27th, was that it was a day that ended communist rule in the country. Uh, It was was massive. Until that day, the harassed Christian community had not been allowed any publicity at all. They couldn't even advertise that they were a church. In fact, uh, like in many parts of the world today, um, it was dangerous being a Christian in communist Czechoslovakia. And now... Here we are, that's the first day after the end of communist rule in your country. And what does this little Methodist church put up on their their signboard? The lamb wins. The lamb wins. And its message was pretty clear to other Christian believers walking by. Now, here's the thing. It was not that God's victory had suddenly arrived uh, and overthrown communism. That's not what this little... Uh, church was saying rather it was reminding christian believers everywhere uh, in czechoslovakia that no matter what is going on in life no matter what's going on in your country or in the world god's truth this truth remains unchallenged and unchanged the lamb wins the lamb wins jesus christ is always the winner now to look out at the world i don't know what sort of a week you've had Um, that you wouldn't necessarily come to that conclusion that Jesus has won or that he's winning. Uh, You read the papers. Uh, We had, you know, Sam Willoughby, sad news this week, uh, broke C6, C7, um, possibly, you know, a paralytic. Um, But it's the gospel we believe uh, and we proclaim, isn't it? Jesus rules. Jesus is Lord. Uh, At the heart of the universe is this unchallenged and unchanging biblical truth jesus rules jesus is lord Uh, this is god's clear message of comfort in the book of revelation Uh, and it's a great summary of what the message of revelation is Uh, let me ask you for those who have read revelation um, at the heart at the center of 
the revelation, the, the vision that John receives, who or what is at the very centre? Uh, well, you get, if we're taken into the throne room of God in Revelation chapter 5, and there in the centre of God's throne is a slain lamb, a risen, crucified lamb, the lamb of God. Why is John specifically given that vision? Who or what is at the very centre of the cosmos, of the universe? It's stupid, really. It's a slain, risen lamb, crucified lamb of God, enthroned with all power and authority. And I want to suggest that at the heart of the universe is history's most unexpected winner. I promised not to mention football during this series, but I can't help mention the Bulldogs. What a win that was yesterday. I mean, seriously? Coming from seventh? Unexpected. I mean, I'm hoping they go the whole way. Um, anyway, no more footy illustrations, the rest of this series, okay, I promise. Um, but, <laughs> someone else can mention it. Uh, look, the reality is, this is the un- Jesus is the most unexpected winner and just think about it, all those followers that had given up so much to follow Jesus, they're looking from a distance, some, uh, you know, can't even bear to be there. Jesus is strung up on his cross on that first Easter Friday. Everyone thought he was the biggest loser that Jesus had lost, didn't they? The grief, the sorrow. And so no one expected, no one expected the empty tomb three days later. The surprise, uh, the fear, what did it all mean? Uh, Turning to joy as the resurrected Jesus come and stands smack bang in the middle of his followers time and time again over 40 days. Over 500 people witness Jesus in their midst on that first Easter weekend. What does it all mean? It's very simply, it's God saying, Jesus is one. His cross, his resurrection, he's one. He's fulfilled everything that I've ever promised. Death, death, it's defeated in this man. And for all who are with him, death defeated. No longer need to fear death. Uh, sin's wage, all that we deserve from our failure to love and honour God properly as his creatures, that wage fully paid uh, by Jesus' blood. We've just been singing about it. By Jesus' blood, washed whiter than snow. And Satan, uh, all the powers, all the people, all Satan and all of his allies, every, everyone who's opposed to God and his purposes in the world, stripped of all power. Stripped of all power. Defeated. Uh, one of the joys this year is having had Lisa uh, many of you got to know Lisa, uh, my French-Australian daughter, who lived with us for four months. And one of the things she said, because of um, having Ella live with them for five months, she said she was so looking forward to coming here and coming to church and learning about Christianity. Uh, really inquisitive mind. And she was really hungry to learn. And it was just, we're just so thankful to God that um, you know, a few weeks before she went back, she made um, uh, a really genuine profession of faith and for those who were there at TBN heard uh, her testimony I mean it just just brought you to tears Um, this young 15 year old lass uh, came here lost looking for the meaning of life she just went home so happy so centered in Jesus pray for her Uh, no good Bible teaching churches near where she lives Um, she's reading her Bible and um, you know we're doing studies with uh, by skype at the moment but it's just a big reminder jesus gives his followers in the last book of the bible uh, jesus has won he's going to win and there's no better uh, thing to do in life uh, than 
to trust in Jesus. Uh, and Revelation is here as a last book to just encourage us to not give in to peer pressure, to all the pressures that come at us in the world, to not give up on Jesus, keep trusting in his word. Now what I've done uh, in the outline in your flies there, if you just open up there, there's a, I've just summarised in a box uh, as best as I can um, a bit more of what it means that the Lamb has won, what Revelation is about, that God in Christ Jesus has already defeated evil once and for all time. Uh, those who persevere in their faith share Jesus' victory now and can live courageously for Jesus, certain of being with Jesus in God's new creation. It's a little bit wordy, I know, um, but in the end it's just saying the lamb wins. The lamb wins. Now, as we tuck into those first three verses, you've got here in the opening, it's, it's called prologue, which means the stuff we need to know about what we're about to read before we read Revelation. Um, so that's what it is going on. And if we read Revelation with this big idea that I've got in the box in mind, um, we'll profit more from it. Um, the goal of this series, uh, I don't understand everything that's going on in the book of Revelation, but the beautiful thing is you don't need to understand everything that's going on uh, in any book of the Bible in order to benefit and profit greatly from God's word here. Well, let's have a look. Those first three verses, let's remind ourselves the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, while this last book in the Bible, uh, it is mainly an epistle, a letter, uh, that John writes of what he sees uh, to uh, the Christians everywhere. We're also told just here in this prologue uh, that it's a revelation, but it's also prophecy. Revelation, prophecy and letter. So it's a little bit more than just a letter, isn't it? Now, uh, the word for revelation uh, is apocalypse. Okay, so that's the word uh, here, apocalypse um, and it's come to mean sort of, you know, end things and, you know, crazy movies being made. Um, and, um, but apocalypse is a word that uh, just really means um, to reveal, uh, to disclose. Uh, that little advertisement, advertising that Guardian, the newspaper, that's what's so helpful. It's just helping us to sort of, you know, see what's behind the curtain, what's going on backstage, um, so we can actually make sense of what's going on front of stage. And that's all that God is doing here. He's, he's helping us to understand all that God has revealed, all that Jesus has achieved in his, his death and his resurrection. Uh, what does it actually mean uh, for our experience of life in today's world between Jesus' first and second coming? How do we make sense of that? Uh, to understand uh, what it means for believers, to understand what it means for those who aren't, um, and especially when Jesus returns. So, this book, Revelation, apocalyptic literature, it's not some sort of Rubik's Cube puzzle meant to, meant to sort of solve, that we need a magical key. I reckon a better way to understand this book is more like a children's picture book, um, uh, where you've taken the, all of these biblical truths uh, and John just, Jesus gives John these, these amazing pictures, uh, capturing um, so much of the Bible's revelation and what Jesus' death and resurrection Mean. So it's not meant to conceal, it's not meant to confuse us, 
Uh, it's given by God to help his people better see and understand reality and how we can live for Jesus, live great lives for Jesus uh, until his return. Now, um, one of the things that will be revealed in the coming 10 weeks are some of the, uh, the adventures of, of our trip up north uh, the last four weeks. So are we, we're in our first week, we're only three days into it, 100Ks out of Cooper Pedy, as a sort of like a bang uh, and suddenly we've blown out a bit of black smoke, lost a bit of power. Um, and uh, we made ourselves to the next sort of roadhouse. Uh, mechanic kindly had a quick look under the bonnet. He said, look, mate, um, black smoke, that's the best sort of smoke you can blow because if it's white or blue, you're seriously in trouble. Um, that's end of trip, but it's probably something minor. Um, you probably either just, you know, popped an air hose or maybe you've got an electronic problem because it's just, you know, it's unburnt fuel, no great drama. He had a bit of a look. Air hoses seem all right, you know, I must be electronic. Go up to the next guy uh, on the way up to Alice Springs. Anyway, we finally limp into Alice Springs. Three uh, guys have been mechanics uh, for quite a few years. You know, it had that sort of cursory look and it was, yep, you've got to take it to a proper guy in Alice Springs. They all said, whatever you do, stay away from Mitsubishi in Alice Springs. Um, but of course, uh, we w finally went there. I should have listened to my wife the first time around. Um, and it was a fourth-year mechanic, a fourth-year apprentice, who bothered to have a proper look. And he said, oh, mate, you know there's another air hose under the grill. You've got to actually take the front of your grill off to see all the air hoses. And lo and behold, there was the popped air hose. Um, it reminded me of a couple of things, just how dangerous it is in life to have cursory looks at certain things. Um, and um, actually how frustrating it was. I ended up fixing it myself in the super cheap auto car park next door. So, um, but it cost us five days. Good news, problem fixed, um, and on we travelled. So next adventure, next instalment, next week, come back. But anyway, this illustrates uh, what John is doing in Revelation. It's like he's popping the lid, he's just pulling bits of the car off that normally you can't see so you can better understand what is going on. And uh, especially, we can have a understand the unseen powers and principles at work um, in heaven and, and how that's playing out in earth. But especially, especially, uh, we always end up back at Jesus' death and resurrection. As someone has said, that the trick to reading Revelation is looking for Jesus' cross under every stone. Okay? Uh, first question. So apocalyptic writing, it's got the same purpose, actually, as the rest of Scripture to show us how the meaning of life in this universe, it really is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, uh, to bring hope and sustain the faith of Christians, especially during times of hardship and just helping us to keep going, to keep believing, uh, to endure to the end so that we can experience the promise of our salvation. And that's what prophecy is. That's what he means by prophecy in these opening words as well. We think prophecy, ooh, you know, uh, future crazy promises about the future. Now, some, some prophecy is that. Um, but here we are at the end of Bible, the end of God's full and complete revelation. And so it makes sense that um, a lot of what prophecy is in the Bible is God taking already revealed truths and reapplying them. And so there's actually not a lot of new stuff here in Revelation, not a lot of new promises. It's trying to show us how the whole canon of Scripture, everything God's ever thought, purposed, planned, promised or said, how it's all fulfilled in Jesus and his cross and his resurrection. And so uh, already, um, what, what have we got here? 
um, twice in, in chapter uh, 1, verses 1 and 2, and again in verses 4 and 5, uh, what are we told? We're told that this revelation is from God the Father, uh, from His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, he's, made known to, he's made it all known to John through an angel. Uh, and so we can read this word confidently that it really is from God. All of God has been involved in the giving of this word, just like all of God has always been involved in creation and in our salvation. The word comes with authority and trustworthiness. And we're told it's for Jesus' servants. I don't know how you think of yourself as a Christian. Never thought of yourself as a servant of Jesus Christ? Of course, a servant is someone who's under someone else's orders, who is there to do their bidding, to make them look good, um, willing to give up their rights. You're in their employ. Uh, interesting language. It's actually the word for slave. An irony, given that John is a slave, he's imprisoned on Patmos. But in sum, I've sort of summed it up in this diagram. What are we reading here? It's a revelation disclosing what is uh, Jesus Christ. He knows our need. He addresses his servants. His purpose is to show them what must soon take place, not to keep them in the dark. And we're not going to be told everything about uh, life in this world between Jesus' first and second coming. Just the particular things that God thinks we need to know in order to endure well. That's why John writes verse 3. Have a look, verse 3 again. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it, take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So my, one of my aims over the next 10 weeks is we actually, as we gather, we're going to read the whole book out loud together. We're going to work our way through it. Um, you won't want to do that with your family at home as well. But do you know that Revelation is the only book in the whole Bible that comes with a promised blessing from God to those who read it? Uh, it's the only book that that actually comes with. And in fact, there's seven of them. Uh, read through, have a look in the introduction uh, of the, your, your studies. I've listed where, where seven times through the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus says to John, uh, you're going to be blessed if you read this. Blessed, blessed, blessed. So have, have a read. Write them all out and see if you can summarize all the blessings that Jesus promises to anyone who bothers to read Revelation and take these words to heart. So, and of course, the challenge is to do that. The challenge is, with God's help, uh, to read and to take to heart what is here. Uh, the second uh, point uh, there I've called cross of, all com uh, cross of All Comfort, verses 4 through to 11. Um, and it's where John, we see he gets into the letter proper. It's, it's your standard Christian introduction. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace. Um, and uh, you ever want to um, summarize what the Old Testament is about? The Old Testament is all about the promise of peace between God and his creatures. The New Testament is all about the fulfillment of that peace between God and his creatures. We've just been singing about it in that new song. Um, how does God do that? How does he achieve it? Always by grace, his undeserved kindness. A couple of simple words that became standard Christian greetings because they summarise, they summarise in essence all that the Bible has to say. Uh, John, uh, we're not told uh, which John, but we can tell it's the beloved apostle of Jesus, John. Uh, it's on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's ended up as a political prisoner on Patmos. Now, Patmos, um, uh, it was a small group of islands off the coast of modern-day Turkey. It was ceded to Greece after World War II. Anyone ever been to Patmos? Anyone? Hmm? 
sort of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Um, but um, it, there was a Roman um, uh, penal colony there, so it's where they threw uh, prisoners and people they wanted to forget about, basically. So John grew old, he died there. Uh, but Jesus has not forgotten him, has he? Before Jesus' revelation to John is a word of encouragement to the seven churches over in Western Turkey, before it's a word of encouragement uh, to local churches everywhere and in every generation, uh, it's, it's a word of strength, strengthening and encouragement to John. Uh, Jesus has not forgot um, uh, his disciple. And is this a small reminder uh, that whatever's going on in our life, uh, Jesus is always using it uh, to grow us, uh, to grow us in our faith. Uh, he's always using it um, that we might become uh, wiser as followers of Jesus. And in that wisdom, uh, we might be able to then better minister to other fellow Christians who need that encouragement and strengthening as well. And so Jesus commands John to write what he sees so that Christians in Asia, now Western Turkey, uh, and indeed in every generation, might know the same comfort and strengthening that John experienced. Now, we're told it was the Lord's Day. It just means it was Sunday. It was out of the blue. Um, and this vision, this vision John receives from Jesus. And he's commanded to write it down. He's commanded to send the letter uh, to the seven churches um, across over there in Asia Minor. Now, I've got a map here. Who can... Um, we're a bit far ahead, Mandy. Just we go back to... Is there a map there? I didn't put the map in. No way. I thought I put the map in. I'm sorry. In fact, it's in your studies. It's in your studies. You can have a look. But um, there's seven churches listed. And you notice they're in a sort of semicircular. Um, pattern there the geography of them and we can tell what order that the letter got to each church each city because of the order that they're listed here in the introduction but also next week we'll see in chapters two and three the same order that the letter would have been read out loud publicly um, and then handed on to the next church uh, more on that next week but here's a tip as we read through revelation um, it's important and helpful to remember that everything that we're going to read in Revelation has something to do with something that was going on in one or more of these churches to either strengthen them or to straighten them out. And so we always need to ask first, when we're trying to work out what does this mean for me, the first question to ask is, what might Jesus be saying to one or more of these seven churches? Based on what we know what was going on there, because we're told what's going on there, we'll look at that next week. How does that help me to understand what Jesus was saying to them and hence what he might be saying to this local church here that we attend? As I said, um, keep looking to the cross. Um, keep looking to this cross of all comfort uh, as we keep um, trying to find the, the, the strength and the courage uh, to keep growing as Christians, to keep serving week in, week out. Uh, and giving more and more of, our, of ourselves to Jesus. In verses 4 and 8, what I want us to notice here uh, is that John starts his letter proper with that usual greeting, as I said. But notice um, how quickly he then sort of just breaks into doxology uh, and praise of Jesus there. He breaks tradition and just sort of, it's like a, just can't help himself, breaks out in sort of uncontrollable rap. Uh, he just needs to praise the one uh, who is speaking to him. 
We're told that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Uh, Twice in verse 5 and in verse 8, Jesus is adored by John as the one who was, who is and who is to come. Uh, Now this, this is language that's only ever been used of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Um, And so, you know, if you do get the knock on the door and you're in the middle of a conversation about, you know, trying to, well, Jesus really was God, this is not a bad place to go uh, to take uh, people uh, from from cults and who knock on our doors who who don't think that Jesus was actually God. But we're just being told here that the one who is speaking, he's the Lord of history. He has no beginning, no end. And this God, this Jesus, he became flesh. He became one of us. He's walked among us. He suffered the ultimate humiliation and shame. Uh, he, he was crucified and died for you and me in our place for the shame of my sin and your sin as well. And so verse 5, what does John say? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Suddenly we're talking about the cross, aren't we? Once in bondage to sin, in bondage to Satan, in bondage to the fear of death, now set free. Isn't, isn't this the great message of Christianity? Isn't this really what it's all about? Loved and set free? It's the great news that John just couldn't shut up about. It's what's got him into trouble and ironically... Although he's become free in Christ, he finds himself a slave on a Roman colony, Patmos. He's in prison. Why? Why? John is deeply convicted. He doesn't care. He just doesn't care because he's experienced. He just knows what it means to be set free. He's free. There's nothing the world can do to him. He's free. Free in Christ. I don't know if you picked it up. Um, you can tell when, when, when people have had, a, had their first kid because they do stupid things. Um, this is not a stupid thing, but um, it's right out there. Um, so Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, um, they announced, have pledged $3 billion over the next 10 years to help banish all disease from the world. Now, why have they done that? Why now? Well, they just had their first child. They want to make the world a safer place. Isn't that the natural reaction of parents? We try to control outcomes, try to protect and control things going on with people we love. Isn't that true? What does the gospel teach us? You can't. The best thing you can ever give your kids is this freedom. Is this freedom. The best thing we can ever give our kids. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood... And if you're here this morning, if you're not sure, if you know this love of God, uh, you want to know, explore more the, the freedom uh, that, that John's talking about here, please do come and talk to me. Stick in a blue card. Um, sign up um, for, the, for the life course. But friends, um, is there any more comforting message uh, that people we live, work and play with really need to hear? I know Colin's looking forward to getting on that plane and just relaxing. Every time I've done it and gone on a long trip, uh, God stuck me next to someone who just finds out I'm, you know, I'm a minister and they just ask me all these questions and I can't relax and you get into these big conversations. I mean, it's great. Okay, it's great. But I'm praying that happens a few times this trip, mate. I know you look, want to switch off. 
watch a dozen movies. But anyway, um, that's what God cares about, and it's, it's great news. We can never be new tired, too tired or too busy to share this news. I hope you were encouraged to hear that August, uh, 100 days of invitations, I wasn't even here, um, but you know, highest number of visitors, so many have invited. Um, and the, the surveys keep showing uh, that most people uh, become a Christian, most people join a church as a result of an invitation from someone they know. Uh, pretty simple, really. I hope you're really, really encouraged by that. Um, at the same time, I think we're stirred to sober-minded uh, praying and, and loving self-assessment uh, as we think about how we want to finish this year and start next year. Uh, think about what we can do to bump up our list of priorities in terms of making it to fellowship, making it to Sunday, Sundays and to our groups um, through to the end of this year. It would be great to see. Uh, in verse 12, uh, we come to that third point. John writes of his first vision. Finally, uh, Jesus shows him the one who is uh, talking to him. So have a look with me. Verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. You can share this over morning tea. Uh, you know, you've been emailing, sharing emails with someone, maybe phone calls, uh, or maybe someone's yelled out to you and you've turned around or you've finally met them and you thought, or you've had to hold yourself because you thought, I didn't expect you to look like that. <laughs> you, know, you can share your favourite <gasps> aha sort of moment, not what I was expecting, over morning tea. I don't think John was expecting this. Um, and it is crazy, it's weird, but it's strangely familiar. Uh, we already know this God, don't we? His face was like the sun shining in its brilliance. And of course, for John, it's deja vu. He was one of the three hand-picked disciples by Jesus, taken up the mountain, um, wasn't he? Where Jesus was transfigured and his whole being turned whiter than snow, brighter than the sun. He knows exactly who's speaking to him. As I said, it's a reminder that a lot of prophecy in the Bible is not old. It's not, it's not like brand new things. It's just old things revisited and reapplied and repackaged because we need to be reminded and encouraged continually. What John sees here, lots of already revealed truths about God. Uh, I've got this table in our Bible study booklets. It's here behind us. But you can see every aspect about this vision is from somewhere in the Old Testament. Um, and there's helps, there's, you know, there's concordances, you've Bibles with references that will take you back to some of these places. It's not going to go into detail now. Um, but I hope that is encouraging for you to think, oh, I've got everything right here in my hand, everything I need from God to read and understand well. Revelation. I don't need an expert to explain it to me. Just need a little bit of application, a bit of time. It's why I've chosen these Bible studies uh, written by a mate of mine who's now a principal of a Bible college in Chile um, because he's worked so hard with each study to show how different sections uh, of Revelation are just 
different aspects from the Old Testament um, repackaged and reapplied uh, to help us understand how Jesus' death and resurrection really is all we need to get us through uh, in this life. Who do we meet in this vision? Who does John meet? We're told in verses 17 and 18 that he's the key holder. Um, now, if you could hold one master key in life, I don't know what it would be, I would love. You know, some things just don't change. We're back next door at the Holfast Bay Community Centre. I would just love if they just had a master key for every lock. <laughs> There's so many keys. Every single door's got a different... Can you believe it? It's just crazy. I know why they do it. Security. I'd love a master key for, for next door. Um, but, of course, the master key um, that Jesus was given was the key to unlock your grave. Uh, the key to raise you from the dead. In fact, everyone's going to be raised from their grave, either to judgment or eternal life. But we've been told this now because Jesus, he is the key holder. He's got all power and authority. There's, there's no more powerful key uh, you can have, surely, in the universe. The key that actually can raise people from the dead. Three powerful truths from this vision um, that we're going to just keep exploring in coming weeks. The first is uh, that this Jesus, he's one standing in solidarity. Standing in solidarity, that's point B. You can write that down, standing in solidarity with his church. Uh, he sees one like a son of man among seven golden lampstands. We're told in verse 20, the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches over in Asia Minor. Jesus, the son of man from Daniel chapter 7, uh, with all power and authority, he's the one who's with, who's present with Christians in the world. The angels or messengers of the seven churches uh, Possibly could be the ministers or leaders of those churches. Uh, angel just means messenger. Um, and the Son of Man, it was Jesus' favourite title for himself. Uh, it's from a number of places in the Old Testament. It means I'm a human being, but it especially means I'm God. Jesus is both fully human and fully God. This is the same Jesus who's promised to be forever with his followers at the end of Matthew. We got that promise. John vaguely remembers that promise that Jesus made. He was there. But how much better than a memory than, uh, than that to be shown, shown the reality of that promise, shown in, in this weird, weird and wonderful way. And sometimes to catch a, capture the wonder and the bigness of things, you sort of got to go with weird, don't you? They do it in the movies, of course. But this is, this is truth. This is history. I don't know when recently you've been so thankful, so relieved that you remembered to actually renew your membership with something or someone. Um, we had that experience in Alice Springs. Um, uh, and especially um, Gita, I was away trying to get the car fixed. We're suddenly trying to find accommodation uh, for, uh, for six people. It rings up the RAA. And who, was the, who was the guy you spoke with? Do you remember? Yeah, he was so friendly. He was so good, wasn't he? Like, I remember getting off the phone. She couldn't believe it. Oh, don't worry, no worries. We're going to find you accommodation. You get five nights free for your whole family while you get your car fixed um, and a whole lot of other stuff. And no, we'll find it. I'll ring you back. We'll sort out everything. Don't worry. Um, and it was just amazing. I mean, I've never had that experience before with the RAA um, or probably with any organisation. I was just so glad I was a paid-up member. And um, and And... Much to my charrigan, the only place, the only RAA-affiliated place they could find for us to stay was the Hilton in Alice Springs. 
my kids were just, oh, they were so disappointed. We were just getting into the groove of camping. I mean, it was, you know, and I was thinking, how on earth are we going to go back to camping? Anyway, but I was so thankful. Of course, the reverse is true. When were you just gutted and you think, oh, no, forgot to pay that membership. <laughs> you could share that story over morning tea. Um, but anyway, Jesus, if you're a paid up member with Jesus, which just means putting your trust with, in Jesus, that's it. Believing in Jesus, you receive all the member benefits. He's with you. He's one with you. He's in solidarity with you. And uh, that's what this is all about. There's no other society or group on the planet that comes with such a promise, the living presence of the living God who is always in the middle of this church. He's here now, present among us. But, of course, with presence... um, comes a few things comes responsibility why is jesus always present with his churches because he cares deeply about us he cares how we live our lives he cares about god's glory and his reputation and so he's searching continually searching out his servants in local churches to straighten us out to straighten out sinning saints look at john's reaction there he falls down dead he sees jesus in priestly robes jesus has all-seeing blazing eyes this is a god who is present among his churches nothing escapes there's no part of our lives there's no secret private part of our lives that jesus does not see into there's no pretense that he doesn't see through and it's good that it's this way because we are saved and called to be like god to be holy like god why Because the advertisement that matters to Jesus is not what's on our signs outside. It's us. It's us that we're salt and light. That's what matters. That we're salt and light. That we live lives that show out the truth of Jesus. The love of Jesus. And so Jesus is always searching. Again, more of this next week. Fourth and lastly though, Jesus Christ is strengthening to sustain strengthening to sustain struggling saints it's hard for us to understand what it was like in john's day Um, we can't really understand the syrian or sudan like sort of conditions uh, of the times here's a quote from a roman historian called tacitus writing about what happened after rome caught fire in ad 4064 all the endeavors of men all the emperors larger say and the propitiation of the gods did not suffice to allay the scandal or banished the belief that the fire had been ordered and so to get rid of this rumor nero set up as the culprits and punished with utmost refinement of cruelty a class hated for their abominations who are commonly called christians besides being put to death they are made to serve as objects of amusement they were clad in the hides of beasts torn to death by dogs others were crucified others set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when daylight failed and of course it continues to go on in every generation Um, praise be to god so far not here in australia but i don't know about you i do wonder is it just me or is there a growing vitriol against christians um, from certain uh, proponents for example of the pro-marriage equality debate Uh, some of the stuff that, that, that has just been you know mainstream media that's been allowed to be said and like no comeback if it was said against a buddhist or anyone else you know, there'd be big, big ramifications. And I wonder how far off we are of more Christians being demoted or sacked. Kids actually being expelled from school. 
teachers not being able to teach in schools because we actually hold to a Christian biblical ethic on issues of sexuality and marriage equality and euthanasia. I just wonder if history is there to teach us about what actually is coming. Now, if history is our teacher, I reckon uh, more and more in coming years ahead, we're going to need this book. We're going to need the encouragement that is here for us in this book uh, to keep us strong in, uh, in Christ uh, and to save us from falling away, from giving in to pressure. I mean, just talk to your kids who are in secular schools or whatever it is. I don't know how much tougher it is uh, for them. I want to close, though, just with this encouragement, um, this encouragement this morning, and it's, and it's with the promise, Jesus' promise in verse 3. Look with me. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. I came across this story. Let's just say it's true. But a group of Bible college students, uh, not talking about you, Tim Blagg, a group of Bible college students had finished playing basketball in a gym. And they noticed the cleaner. The cleaner was sort of waiting for them to finish. And he was reading a book in the corner. They wandered over and said, oh, what are you reading, mate? Oh, reading the Bible. Oh, really? What are you reading? Revelation. Ah, they said, thinking, oh, we'll help this guy out. Okay, we'll we'll give him a few minutes. Um, And do you understand what you're reading? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I think I do. And the Bible college students were a bit surprised, intrigued now. What do you think it means? Jesus is going to win. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that even cleaners can understand uh, what is in this book. Uh, Even kids can read through Revelation and get the point that the good guys wins, Jesus wins. And so we need that reminder at the end of history, at the end of the Bible, and we certainly need that reminder at the beginning and end of each day. Uh, Father, please help us to uh, really um, just know the riches of your blessings in in, in really committing uh, to one another, to turning up, to reading this book together, uh, and, and help us to understand it, and especially to heed your word that is here for us. Please mercifully give us repentance where we need to repent. And please encourage and build and strengthen our faith where that is needed as well. In Jesus' name, amen.